All right, so we continue um, our very, I'd like to thank, very practical series on the Christian way of life, uh, rooted in a, what's commonly known as the Ten Commandments, and we continue this series on the Ten Commandments, a little bit over halfway now, we're taking a look at the Sixth Commandment. Remember, the Ten Commandments are divided into two basic parts. We have the first four commandments relating to our relationship with God, and then the final commandments, six through ten, really have to do, especially in terms of our relationship with each other, and we're looking at the sixth commandment, which is, thou shalt not murder. Now, what do we mean by that? Uh, well, without further ado, we'll, we'll see. So, um, I want to draw your attention to Matthew chapter 5. This comes from Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount, where he touches upon the heart aspects of faith. And I want to draw your attention to uh, Matthew chapter um, 5. We're going to begin reading verse 20 through 26. So let's hear the word of the Lord. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisee, uh, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard that it was said of those, uh, to those of old, now here's the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar um, and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser, while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you'll be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. So we have some uh, rather direct, some would even say somewhat severe words of Jesus in connection with that commandment. All right. Now I want to draw your attention to uh, the Hutterberg Catechism. We can put that up there. All right. And as we customarily do, we confess these words together as we have an explanation of the Sixth Commandment, a rather good one at that. So, question 105, what does God require in the Sixth Commandment? Let's say together, I am not to dishonor, hate, injure, or kill my neighbor by thoughts, words, or gestures, and much less by deeds, whether personally or through another. Rather, I am to put away all desire of revenge. Moreover, I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself. Therefore, also, the government bears the sword to prevent murder. All right, followed by question 106. Uh, but does this commandment speak only of killing? By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder, such as envy, hatred, anger, and desire of revenge, and all guards all these as murder. And finally, it's question 107. Is it enough then that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? No, when God condemns envy, hatred, anger, he commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to show patience, peace, gentleness, mercy, and friendliness toward him, and to protect him from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. Now, the, the genius of this 
document, our catechetical document, is found in the fact that it really adopts what we call, and I think if you were here last week, I talked about the word hermeneutic, which is basically a principle of interpretation. It's very interesting what this catechism does is it, it uh, borrows from the hermeneutic or the principle of interpretation of Jesus himself when he addresses the commandments. And what Jesus really shows us, and what we're going to see this afternoon with the time that we have, is that, you know, obviously, what the Catechism does, Jesus does, it's saying, you know, the, the, the Sixth Commandment applies not just to outright murder, you know, shooting somebody dead, but it really addresses our minds, it addresses our hearts, it addresses our gestures, it addresses our motivations, and all of that, so... When we, when we look at the commandments, this commandment in this broad way and in this internal way, it's like, you know, listen, none of us are going to be able to get away this afternoon and say, well, I'm, I'm pretty good with the sixth commandment because I haven't really murdered anybody. We are all murderers. I am talking to murderers here this afternoon. And by the way, I'm addressing myself to, obviously. We're all in this together. All right? So let's go on and take a look at the sixth commandment. What is the sixth commandment? Thou shalt not murder. Now, I know that sometimes if you bring uh, you, uh, your Bibles with you, your devices with you, you have different translations, right? And an older translation, I think comes from the King James Version, is this, um, thou shalt not kill. So you have thou shalt not kill and thou shalt murder. Thou, yeah, thou shalt not murder. So, you know, why, why, uh, there's a difference of interpretation there, obviously. Now, when you take a look at the original Hebrew of the Sixth Commandment, thou shalt not murder, the word for murder or kill is the word rasa, which is really speaking about unlawful killing. I think it's important to bring out, because if you just go with the, with the English translation, thou shalt not kill, you could very easily, and I think most of us understand this, but oftentimes for new believers, they're trying to discover their the, what the Bible is actually saying, if it says thou shalt not kill, they can come away with the impression like any form of killing is wrong. So I don't know if you enjoyed a good piece of steak this past week or hamburger or whatever, but if you did, that animal was required to be killed for that, for your enjoyment. So is the Bible speaking about that? Is the Bible speaking about killing of beetles on the ground or flotting a swine, whatever? Obviously not. I hope you say that. So it's talking about all Un, uh, unlawful forms of killing. Say, what kind of unlawful forms of killing? Well, uh, some of the things that catechism brings out, like uh, matter of suicide, or the matter of war, or you know, defending your freedoms, defending your land. It may require you to pick up arms and fight. It uh, is probably, well, maybe referring to um, self-defense. You know, somebody invades your home. Now, I know you don't have, you know, coming as a U.S. citizen here, we're used to it in the U.S., you know, for good or ill, you know, we got the right to bear arms, right, part of our, our Constitution. A lot of people are bearing arms for good or ill, but at least in the U.S., somebody comes in your home and you bear arms. If you have to protect yourself, you can protect yourself. So there's, there's, there's just what we call lawful and unlawful forms of killing. So what the, the Catechism is talking about here and what the Sixth Commandment is talking about is all unlawful forms of killing, just outright murder. Now, if we think of the Sixth Commandment that way, that, that it relates to all forms of unlawful killing, it's very easy for us just to uh, step back and you go, I'm pretty clean with this commandment. I'm okay. I haven't murdered anybody. I don't think any of us have murdered anyone. 
as far as I know. I don't know. But, but I, I haven't done that, so I'm good to go. And if you find yourself kind of um, leaning in that direction, um, you're in good company with a group of individuals that Jesus refers to in Matthew chapter 5, known as the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were part of a, a Jewish group of conservative, part of a, a reform, intellectual reform movement within Israel among the Jewish people to get them back to the law of God. And they knew about the commandments. They knew about the sixth commandment. They knew about all the commandments. And they were accustomed to teaching the commandments, to understanding the commandments, delving into and researching the commandments and the applications of the commandments and so forth. And the Pharisees were well aware of various forms of unlawful killing. For instance, things that are mentioned in the Old Testament, like uh, um, premeditated murder. Right? Premedit kids, premeditated murder is, is when you kill someone, but you've been thinking about it beforehand. Right, So you're saying, I don't like that particular individual, and I'm going to seek a way to kill that individual. Sometimes we read in the news, right, where a husband and wife are not getting along together, right, and they get a contract killer, right, and they pay that contract killer to kill the wife or to kill the husband. Sadly, that's what we hear. It's premeditated murder. Obviously, the Bible condemns that. There's also what we call uh, voluntary manslaughter. That's where it's a form of murder that is not premeditated, but still it's intentional, is voluntary. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, you get a bar scene, and at the bar, these two guys get into a fight, and it starts out with a fist fight, and eventually one guy gets angry. What does he do? He pulls out a knife, and he kills the guy. Now, did he go to the bar with the intentional desire to kill that guy? No, if he did, that would be premeditated murder. But was it intentional when he pulled out that knife to go into the guy? Probably he wasn't intending to kill him, just to wound him, but if he it actually kills him, it's called voluntary manslaughter, obviously condemned by the Bible. But there's also what we might call involuntary manslaughter. For instance, the Bible speaks about this where let's say you are cutting a tree and you're using your axe, but it's an old axe, it's not a good axe, and you put that axe into the tree, and as you're doing that, the axe, hand, the, the axe head flies off and it kills the guy next to you who's just observing you. Did you kill the guy? Yes, you killed the guy. Were you intending to do that? Was it premeditated? No. Was it voluntary in terms of wanting to harm that individual? No. It's called accidental homicide. That, too, can be condemned. When that happened in the Bible, involuntary manslaughter, you know what they would do? Individuals who would do that realize that there may be relatives around that man who they involuntarily killed, and those relatives might come after him and try to kill him. So you remember this in the Old Testament? Where did they flee to? Cities of refuge. And they would go into the city of refuge, and they could remain in safety there until the matter could be adjudicated or judged by the elders of that city. So anyway, the point is, is that you have all these different kinds of murder in the Bible. So what the Pharisees did, and laying that out for you, what the Pharisees did is they taught about these things as explications and applications of the Sixth Commandment. But here's now where we move on. Here's the thing that Jesus exposes about the Pharisees, and that is this. He's saying, okay, you teach the law, you try to understand the law, and you apply the law, 
in light of the Old Testament laws, the case applications of the law, but here's the thing. Jesus saying, you're not going far enough. And here's where you're not going far enough. You're, not address, you're only addressing matters of the hand, as it were. You're not addressing matters of the head and the heart and many other areas as well. Let me demonstrate that to you as you take a look at the passage. Take a look at verse 20 and following of Matthew 5. For I tell you, unless your righteousness... Now notice what Jesus is saying. You're not going far enough. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds or goes beyond that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said... To those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. All right. But I say to you that everyone who is actually angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to hellfire. You see what Jesus is doing here? He's taking that strict commandment, thou shalt not murder, and he broadens it, he broadens the application, but he also internalizes it. And he says, murder is more than just the hand. It goes right into here, in here. The mind and the heart. Let's talk about that for just a moment. Think of how many ways, maybe in the past week or the past month, that you have committed murder. Well, we can murder in various ways. We can murder with our gestures. What we call the proverbial finger. We can murder um, also with, well, for some of us this past week, our driving habits. Man, I don't I mean, somebody pulls out right in front of you. I mean, do you just go, oh, that's, that's unfortunate? Are you that righteous? Kind of doubt. I think we all get immediately angry, right? Violation could be of the sixth commandment. Um, we also can kill with our looks. What do we say? What's the common phrase? Oh man, if looks could kill, give them the death stare. We can kill indeed by our words, right? What's the common, what's the common saying? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Is that really true? If you follow the news, what do you read every once in a while? You have, especially those within high school, they get on social media, and then they diss the person. There's another person, and they, they, they speak ill words about that person, right? Or there's that form of bullying that goes on. Sometimes that can kill an individual. You have teenagers sometimes who fall in such despair that they take their own lives. Words can kill. Jesus also talks about committing murder in our hearts through embitterment, resentment, blame, silent rehearsing, and so forth. Now, when you read the catechism, it essentially talks about uh, the same thing. It talks about matters relating to envy, hatred, anger, desires for revenge. All of these are considered murder. How many, many acts of murder this past week or past month did not occur in our homes. Do we have such righteous children that there was no fighting going on and anger within the home, beating with the fists, getting into fights? How many of us as married couples in the past week or the past month have not had some severe words with each other? Or maybe even touching upon anger or resentment or embitterment? How often does this occur at the school? 
on the school playground. If every form of murder were known and prosecuted, this place would be absolutely empty and we'd be all in jail. Jesus puts it like this. That when we fall into what he calls here anger or the insulting of a brother or sister, he says we make ourselves liable to hell. Man, we can, we can be very easy to say, well, I can see if you actually did take the life of someone who was an image bearer of God. Yeah, I can see that. But what, such a severity of words for those who become angry? Resentful? Again, we think this is rather stiff language, but Jesus' point is that he takes murder of the heart very seriously. And then Jesus gives us a practical case in point. It goes out to every one of us. Jesus gets rather personal now. Take a look at verse 23. Jesus says, If you are offering your gift at the altar, and then you remember at that altar that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So Jesus, first of all, speaks against anger and insults and so forth. Things that cause disharmony, a breaking of relationships. But Jesus goes on to say, he gives an example. He says, okay, if you're angry or you have something against another person and there's a point of tension and you are not reconciled to each other, before you come to worship or as we see in our Lord's Supper form, before you come to the table, deal with that matter. Do what you can to reconcile with that brother. And do it immediately, he says. Come to terms quickly, he says, with your accuser. And, um, you know, this is, this is something that is, that is very important that we have to, to practice in our homes and we have to practice in our schools, we have to practice in the church. I remember a, a pastor many years ago um, this is even before I went to seminary. I think Joy and I were first married. We were visiting a church. And I remember him saying, and sometimes you get this right. Sometimes you hear a preacher preach, and for some reason there's just a phrase that sticks in your mind. And that was this. He was preaching on this very passage, and he says, you know what? Christ allows no loose ends in relationships. you got an issue with your brother, you got to try to work it out. Now, here's the thing. You can try to work it out with a brother or sister. Let's say there's a point of tension or a disagreement that you have, and you go to that brother. Sometimes what can happen is that you try to reconcile the situation, and you come, you come to the end of it, and you kind of go, but we recognize we're on two different sides of the fence. But Jesus is saying, listen, you're not always going to agree with each other, but what you have to ensure is that even in the midst of disagreement, you do not resent that brother or sister. You do not hate them. You do not consider them your enemy. Do you know how hard that is? It's very hard. But I want you to notice one other thing here. Jesus talks about the need for reconciliation, but elsewhere he talks about love. Loving those with whom you are angry. So what we see here is Jesus not only broadens the commandments and internalizes the commandments, but he does one further thing. He, he, what we call he positivizes the commandments. So Jesus says, not only are you not to murder another individual, including your gestures and looks and attitudes and all of that, but you're actually to do this. And here's the positive side of it. You're actually supposed to love your brother or your sister with whom you are angry. You're supposed to love them. 
By the way, Jesus teaches us that our neighbor is more than our brother and sister in Christ. That may be a person in the world, maybe a person in the workplace that you're working with. Well, you know that guy or that woman is not a, not a believer, and boy, do they get in your craw. And then you feel justified. Well, they're not a brother and sister in Christ, so you know what? I, I, I'm justified, I guess, in my attitudes toward them. Because God applies a different standard for Christians as, uh, in, in contrast to non-Christians. Is that really true? You know, I want you to, uh, if you have your Bibles, take a look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and following. And by the way, well, I'll, I'll read it first, and then I want to draw your attention to some of the wording of the Catechism. Jesus, you have heard that it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, what the Catechism does is it draws upon this very thing in question and answer 7, and it says this, Is it enough then that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? And the answer is no. When God condemns envy, hatred, and anger, he also, and notice what the Catechism does, it positivizes. It points us in a positive direction, just like Jesus when God condemns envy, hatred, and anger, he commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to show patience, peace, gentleness, mercy, friendliness toward him, and to protect him from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. Do you ever notice how Jesus seems to always require us to do the hard thing? Seemingly the impossible thing. I want you to think of someone right now in your mind who you do not get along with. Maybe it's a little bit of a tuft or a tift. Or maybe it's, it's, it's something that you feel deeply aggrieved by. And quite frankly, if you had to confess right now, you have to say, you know what? I hate that guy's guts. I hate that woman's guts. If you're not feeling it now, you have felt that way, or you will feel that way. You know what the hardest thing to do? Is to let it go. Even if you have tried to reconcile, let it go. And you know what the hardest thing to do is? Say to yourself, nevertheless, I'm going to do what Jesus requires me to do. I'm going to love that person. I'm going to try to love on that person. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to pray for that person. For many of us, I think we say, you know what? That's his problem. That's her problem. You start working, walking in a direction. And then you know what? Feel justified about it. He says, you can't feel justified about it. At the very least, even if you have tried to reconcile, pray, love, to which we say, Lord, help. Because we need help with that. So, so here's the point. Is, is that when, when, you, when you really consider how Jesus addresses the Sixth Commandment and you see how, how, how the Catechism addresses the Sixth Commandment, no one of us can escape it. And that's why we need Jesus. And that's the whole point of going through this, this, this series on Christian ethics. Not only to show us the way to live, but to drive us to Jesus and drive us to the cross where we can find the forgiveness that we need for the dark, dark hearts that we sometimes have. 
So Jesus says, come to me and confess your sins and I will forgive you. But also this, I leave you with this. Jesus now he says, come to me for forgiveness. But you know what Jesus says? He says, look to me. Look to me. Because if you do, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see my forgiveness and my loving on someone like Peter. Where Jesus says, you know what he did to me, right? He denied me not once, twice, but three times. When I needed Peter as the leader of the disciples most, he walked. And he walked with the rest of the disciples. And you know what? I was left all alone. And as a result of that, I was crucified and I died. But you know what Jesus did, right? In the Gospel of John, Jesus restores Peter. And he says to Peter, he not, only, he not only restores Peter to himself, but he restores Peter to his calling. And, and says, Peter, Peter, do you love me now? Do you love me? Because you walked out on me. Do you love me? And what does Peter say? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Or one final thing. Jesus says, look, look at me. Because you remember what I said regarding those who mocked me and crucified me. Remember what he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Jesus says, I'm not asking you to do something that I myself have been unwilling to do. I'm only asking you that not only draw near to me for forgiveness, but draw near to me as your example, to do as I have done. As, as the gospel writer John has put it, he says, if God has so loved us, then so also are we to love. Not murder, but love one another. Asking us to do the hard thing. So may we seek Jesus, not only for forgiveness, but for our example. And with that in mind, I want to end. I want to pray. And if you have any questions, we can deal with them at that time. Let's pray together. Lord, it is a painful thing to deal with your commandments. It's a beautiful thing, Lord. The psalmist says that the law is good. It revives. It resuscitates. It shows us the way. And that's so true, Lord. And again, thank you for speaking that law, that word into our lives. But Lord, also, we just can't get away from the other side of the coin that every time we go through these commandments, and we will see that again next week, in the whole matter of, of thou shalt not commit adultery. But Lord, we're all guilty here whether in our actions, in the history of our lives, or in the matter of our hearts. So, Father, we pray, number one, forgive us. And not only forgive us for Christ's sake, but, Lord, show us a better way. Give us the heart of Christ. Give us the ministry of your Spirit to, to help us in that regard. Bless us in that, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.